Hi, this is Danielle Cressa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 205 of Art for Your Ear. I am so excited about today's episode. Okay, I know I say that every week, but every week it's true. Okay, so this time around, I am talking to LA-based artist Kenesha Sneed, but you might know her as Tactile Matter. It's very hard to pinpoint what Kenesha does because she does so much stuff. <laughs> painting, illustrations, murals, ceramics, collaborations, and most recently, she's the author and illustrator of a beautiful children's book titled Many Shapes of Clay, A Story of Healing. It is such an uplifting, lovely book, but sadly, it came out of losing her dad suddenly in 2018. I'm sure many of you know, if you listen to this podcast, I also lost my dad suddenly in 2018. So a book about grief and how to heal sounds really good to me. So outside of that sad connection, it turns out that Kanisha and I actually have a whole bunch of other things in common too. So let's just jump right in, shall we? Calling Kanisha Sneed in Los Angeles. Hi, Kanisha. Welcome to Art for Your Year. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so happy to have you because, well, I've been following you for ages, but weird things have, we have so much in common, especially right now with your new kids book coming out. Well, it's out. It's out. Oh, it's so out. exciting. So <laughs> I have so many questions for you and uh, we'll tell everybody all of our weird crossovers that we have because it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the way that I do my podcast is I always love to start at the very beginning and work our way up to what's happening now. So um, I want to know where you grew up and were you making everything out of everything like you do now? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I was born in Pasadena slash Altadena area. Um, my parents, they lived in Altadena um, when I was when I was born, um, I was born in Pasadena. Um, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the hospital, actually. Um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on it. But anyways, uh, born in Pasadena Hospital, lived in Altadena. And we actually moved when I was about two years old to the high desert, um, mm -hmm. which is not like Palm Springs type of desert. It's like Palmdale. <laughs> so it's like it's what we called like the dirt growing up. So like my friends and I, we would, we would call it the dirt. And um, that's where we grew up was uh, Palmdale, Lancaster. And um, in about 2005, I ended up going to a art school in LA uh, called Otis College of Art and Design. And uh, that's where I went to school for four years and graduated in 2009. Well, and so what did you, um, okay, well, when you were in the dirt, did you play in the dirt? Were you, were, like, were you, like, trying to play with clay? Were you drawing? What were you doing? Or were you artsy uh, back then? In, in the dirt. I was very artsy. I don't know if we actually physically played in the dirt specifically, <laughs> but I also am like, uh, I might be blanking on a moment where we did, but um I was very, very, uh, yeah, I guess for whatever the term would be, but very much into um, uh, creating and art and, and not that I was any good at it, but I just loved it. I loved illustrating. I loved um, painting. And um, a lot of my inspiration actually came from my mother who 
also did a lot of, I guess you would call it like arts and crafts. And um, we would make my cl doll clothes out of, out of like um, some of the like recycled materials that she would collect from like thrift stores. And I did the uh, same thing. I love that. <laughs> that was just so much fun. Like I remember specifically we would go to like Joann's and look at um, fabric or, you know, we would do that, um, uh, get some of the fabric materials from like thrift stores and a lot of experiences. I remember specifically just being with my mom and us creating together and whether that was making doll clothes out of, out of recycled materials or going to Joann's or my own clothes. She was very much into that. And so that definitely, I, I think, translated to me um, quite a bit. I remember having like a pair of jeans that I was so excited to hand stitch the seams and make them like, <laughs> and just like do like a custom style with it. And then I kept doing that and I would do it by hand. And then of course I ended up getting lazy and I stopped doing that. But that was, that was really <laughs> exciting at the time. I know I did all that stuff too. And I would sew patches onto things. And um, yes. my mom had this jar of buttons in her little sewing, um, whatever it was. It was like these drawers that her, that her sewing machine sat on top of. And there was this little glass jar filled with buttons. And I used to just pour it out and look at them. I never sewed them onto anything, but I would just organize them and look at them. And there was these little enamel sort of um, apple buttons. Uh-huh. I love I love them. oh I love that oh god I feel like that's such a like mama thing um <laughs> like mine had like the oh what was it that red cushion ball that had the like yeah, yeah. green yeah the little tomato ball <laughs> the little tomato ball with all the little needles sticking out of yeah. it and like still like half half thread attached in different yeah. color thread my mom um, still has hers <laughs> oh I love that <laughs> <laughs> I That's could visualize so funny. it. Yeah. And I grew up in, um, well, we, I, I've moved back here now, but it's kind of looks like Northern California, but it's in Canada. Oh, wow. And we're in a pocket desert. So we have areas that are very deserty around us. So there's like cactus and stuff. And, but our dirt is clay. It's like um, oh. silt kind of like the, 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 all the cliffs are made of clay. So if it rains a lot, they'll just give way and big mudslides. But you used to be able, that's why I asked you about playing in the dirt, because we used to be able to take that clay and you could add water to it and like make stuff out of it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's no, crazy. I I wish we had that kind of clay. We had sand. Yeah. <laughs> you can add water. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's so true. Yeah. Oh my um, So when you, so you're going through high school and stuff, were you, was your plan always to go to art school? No, it wasn't. I remember when I was in high school, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew I loved, I loved creating. I loved art. I loved film. I loved TV. I loved what I saw on like, you know, if I was watching a Pixar movie, I loved the animation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I knew that in some capacity, I wanted to be in the creative world, but I didn't know in what way I wanted to be in that space. Um, so I remember taking some classes. I, I think I only had like one art class, which I really enjoyed in high school. And I would illustrate um, things I saw visually. So like if I had a magazine, I remember I had like a magazine that had a, a portrait of Tweet, the uh, musician. And I illustrated her and I used that and a few other pieces like a car model illustration and maybe one painting of like a plant that was like my portfolio for Otis. <laughs> 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 I 
And then uh, <laughs> sounds like my portfolio too. Yeah, yeah, that was my portfolio. It was just like <laughs> you know, found found things that I I re I illustrated in in my own way, but um, that was just a collection of different like portraits and and um, small small scale like <laughs> uh, made out of um, charcoal or pencil or just some some oil or watercolor paints. And well, so that's that what you, that's what you do, right? Like if you come out of a school that's just like a normal school that has one art class, yeah, that's going to be your portfolio. Like you know, I've talked to some people on the podcast who, you know, went to some like arts high school in New York, and it's just like what you know and they had like a glass blowing studio and a ceramics I'm like oh no we had Mrs. Smith and she gave us charcoal and big paper (laughs) yeah that's what that's what you have if anything at all I'm honestly surprised that I even knew about an art school because I was not exposed to that at all in high school and in fact after graduating from high school I took about a year um to go to um uh a community college and um, took like a sewing class there and maybe one or two other um, art classes. I took a, a music history class and like just a lot of different courses that were pretty random, but um, did not know until probably halfway through that experience that um, art school was even on my radar or that it was even something I could do. I just didn't think wow. it was something that was in my in the realm of possibilities, or even, I guess, more so, not only being a possibility to go to an art school, but actually be able to graduate from one and be able to have a career in the arts. Like, that was just something that was so, um, uh, for lack of a better word, like taboo at the time to even consider that being a, a path forward as, as a career totally. was was art and you know it always begged the question of like like why like why art like what kind of what kind of art are you doing there and it's just like very yeah and what are you gonna do when you're done what are you, what are you gonna do and yeah. so and I didn't know what I was gonna do so I I really did just take a chance and I went to school or I submitted my portfolio ended up getting accepted um and um long story short, ended up going to um, art school. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that's another, a uh, whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you focus on there? Did you do design or did you do fine arts? Because your portfolio is so, what I love about your work is that it's so diverse, but you can always tell that it's you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, what, what were you, what did you focus on at Otis? Yeah, well, I remember not knowing what I actually wanted to study the first year of school. I, I didn't know if it was fashion, fine art. I, I just knew I loved illustrating. I loved film. I loved creative problem solving. And um, as sometime during the first year, I, I remember going down to the digital department and my mind was so blown by all of the work that was on the walls and just the range of of type of work, like seeing animation in the same space with concept art and type design and stop motion and all, all of the different types of mediums that you can use in in motion design and um, digital media. Uh, and so those were all things that I saw on screen, but I, I didn't know how any of it worked. And so my second year, I started in digital media. Um, I had no idea how to use any of the software. I remember having two tutors at the same time to learn Photoshop. Um, I spent a lot of nights trying to learn it and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sleepless nights trying to learn it because I'll never forget when I was in like 
class, maybe like the first few days. And um, the first assignment was a Photoshop assignment. Can't remember what it was, but I remember like tapping my, my neighbor uh, classmate on the shoulder, like at least 20 times in the, in the whole period of this, of this class session and just asking questions like, what's a layer? (laughs) Did you find, did the other students know it already? Oh God. Yeah. And that was the thing that was also just so, uh, something I didn't expect was that a lot of the students were advanced. Like if there was like an AP course in art school, like half the students that were in the class would have been in that class because it was so, a lot of them had already had experience in these programs and already knew the tools. They just are there to learn how to maybe make it all come together or get a degree or, um, you know, uh, build relationships and all of that. But I was really stuck on the the tools part. I'm like, I don't know how any of this stuff works. And so um, the good thing is a lot of it I did learn through just practicing and, you know, a lot of sleepless nights and sleeping under my desk and all of that. It just was, it kind of came par for the course of that type of uh, institutionalized learning. And so, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I remember just spending a lot of a lot of time in front of the computer and just really trying to and learn did you how to love it, it were, or were you stressed or both both definitely yeah. both a healthy combination of stress and love um yeah <laughs> I, I I loved it I really did love learning how to how to use these new tools and that was a part of the reason why I really love digital media in general is like I loved learning the software um as second year, you know, starting in digital media and and spending a lot of time trying to learn the programs was definitely a whole its own thing outside of trying to build connections and relationships and um, design and and get like a um, your create your own like visual narrative or your own style or whatever that is like that for me. I, and I think a lot of other people that go to school, so much of school is just learning the tool. And then after school is like when you're really trying to refine what you've learned and develop your own creative voice. So it's a very small group of people that maybe already had a artistic style or creative voice or whatever you want to call that while they were in school. But I'll never forget, though, the first assignment in one of my motion classes was uh, to do a super basic animation using keyframes um, and I believe it was like just move move this like object from one side of the screen to the next and that was it and I had no idea what the teacher was talking about um, so I remember staying up all night learning how to move joints on this character and do multiple keyframes and so I I over delivered because of pretty much a combination of being afraid to ask questions and <laughs> and excitement of learning something new. But it was just so funny. I came back and when it was time to present, it was like everyone else did like the pretty much the assignment, what was asked. And it was like a ball moving from one just, to the other. Exactly. Not even rolling. They didn't <laughs> want it to roll. They didn't want it to bounce. They just wanted it to like move just from one side to the next. And I was like over here, like moving joints and I like have a character. I was like, oh my God, I'm that student. Just like completely like excited, not paying attention and just like over delivering based off of all of that. Oh my God. That's so funny. I did all of the same things too, but I was about 10 years, eight years back behind you because I, I went to 
I did a BFA and then I went into design, but it was just as the internet was being born. It was 1996. And so I went to this, um, to Sheridan College in Ontario and I, I it was, the course was called new media. Oh. None of this existed. Like websites right. didn't really even exist at that moment. And so we learned Photoshop and illustrator and flash and, it was great because nobody knew what it was. That's why I was asking, like, did the people around you actually know what this was? Because in our group, like nobody, I should go and look when Photoshop was even invented because this was brand new to everybody. Right. But I remember like learning flash and like keyframes and moving stuff. And I was like, hello. I was <laughs> so excited. And then when I worked in advertising in like the early 2000s, when you know interactive was this brand new thing and every website was flash all i did was animate all wow. the time and it was so much fun because as an artist being able to go digital and move things like that it's just yeah. a different part of your brain but it it was such a neat way to explore creativity in a way i never even had imagined that i would you know, so I, I totally get your excitement and whatever. And it's like, Ooh, well, why don't, don't just move the circle from one side to another. Let's see if I can make it do this and this and this. And yeah, I had many sleepless hours underneath desks and yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I tried coffee actually. because I never, <laughs> I never drank coffee till I was in that program. I think I was about 22 or 23 and it was four in the morning and I was like, yeah, it's time to try it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, Definitely, if there was no other time to try coffee, I feel yeah. like that that was definitely it, just because it's so many all-nighters. Yeah. And so when you finished, what did you graduate with? Like, were you animating? Were you illustrating? What were you doing? Yeah, I'd say or both. A, com a combination of all of it. And that was the thing I really loved about motion design specifically, um, is the range of different mediums that you can use. Like, you know, like I was doing claymation and I was doing stop motion and then also learning uh, some of the 3D tools like Maya and um, being able to model and animate and um, all of these different programs to, uh, to visually tell a story. That was just so exciting for me. So when I graduated, um, I definitely was very specifically excited about motion design. Um, where that would go, I had no idea. But when I did graduate, um, I was I was fortunate to land my first job full time as a designer at a motion design studio here in LA called Psyop, and that was just such a exciting experience. Being and that was like really a dream for me. I really I loved the studio. I, I love what they created and still create to this day. Um, and so that was just really exciting for me and. Uh, was there for about three years before I ended up uh, leaving my job and freelanced for about a year doing um, design, illustration, motion design. And then I ended up taking a another full-time job at um, a uh, creative studio motion design again called Buck here in LA uh, as an art director. And so that was probably about 20, oh God, I'm so bad with timeline but I believe it was like 2012 2013 something like that okay um and so went staff as an art director and um was there for about I believe about three years before I left my job and decided to go on this crazy wild journey as a uh 
a um, illustrator, designer, multidisciplinary artist, I guess, if you will. Wow. Oh, I was going to ask. So when you're doing all of that and you're working, because I know like same thing, I got a job and your creativity is put into your job and you're working long hours and whatever. Um, were you on the side at home? Like, were you making stuff with your hands or were you tapped out at the end of a day? Yes. Uh, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's see here. Um, so we, I ended up actually taking a ceramic course with my coworker, Jenny Co. Um, I believe she was the one that found this space in um, Altadena uh, called Zim Clay Studio. Amazing studio. Um, and we took a course there together. I, I completely just was obsessed with it. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I was just making like a hot mess and had no idea how to create anything. It, nothing good was happening. And I just stuck with it. I loved it so, so much that I, I ended up getting a membership there. And the membership, the way it worked is like, I believe you could only work. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but I believe you can only work after certain hours up to a certain point. Um, and so I would go after work and I would go into the, the ceramic studio and um, be on the wheel till like probably midnight or something like that. And um, and then I, I would come back and go to bed and get back in the morning and go to work and work my full-time job in front of the computer. Um, and then I would also um, go during lunch sometimes if there was <laughs> if there was enough time. To the, and to the ceramic studio? I would, I would go to the ceramic studio during lunch. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah, the guys had their thing. They would go play basketball, and I would I would hop in my car and toot toot on over to Altadena and, and throw on the wheel, and then That's I would come amazing. back. I <laughs> and then there was a certain point where I actually ended up a, a good friend of mine, um, Ria. She had a studio in East LA, um, in the close to the Arts District here in LA, um, and it just ha so happened she was looking for a roommate to share the studio space with, and. Um, I ended up sharing the space with her. And so it was a lot more convenient because uh, my, my, my um, full-time job was in downtown. So it was a lot quicker drive <laughs> during lunch and after work to just go there. And I was fully at that point, I was just like so, in it so deep and like, it was just so much fun. And honestly, uh, you know, leaving my job was, it was, you know, while there was like a, a myriad of different reasons, um, um, I, I really loved my job and loved working at this creative space and um it was just a really um creative place for me to be that I, I felt really excited to to work at and so um with all that it was just really hard to juggle all of it because at a certain point I I I'm trying to think of exactly what was the um pivoting moment where it, it was like oh this is maybe too much and to juggle um, and I believe it was actually, so I ended up doing a, what would you call it? Like kind of an artisan type of online, um, uh, sort of like, uh, I, I want to say like a collaboration or something mm -hmm. like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it essentially the, the ask was, um, I needed a website for my brand, which I did not have at the time to, uh, to be a part of this sort of artisanal like you know space or whatever it was and so I was like okay well I guess I, I need 
to have a website and uh, develop a whole brand. And I think this was like in 2013 or something like that. And so that was really what lit the flame was the sort of like, hey, you need to have this in order to be a part of this collection. And so that was really where a lot of, you know, Tactile Matters started was um, being forced into it. And so in order nothing, to- Nothing like a little pressure to- it's nothing like a little pressure. Yeah. Zero regrets now, you know, years <laughs> later, I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I did that. And so um, ended up uh, really thinking long and hard about like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't know, you know, what the, what the name should be. And so I, I spent a lot of time trying to think of like all the things that anybody else who's creating a brand would do. And so just trying to pressure test it, see if this works and why, you know, why, why this name and all of that. And so, and getting a website together. And so, um, uh, ended up doing all of that. And so after doing that, that was when people started becoming interested because now it was in this public space. Um, and, and it so, was a thing. It was like a, it was a package kind of, yeah, it was a thing now. So yeah. I wasn't expecting that thing to actually take off and people to be excited about my work in any way at all. Um, some of my first customers were my coworkers and they would, you know, um, buy off of the website and I would just bring it into work the next day and say, here you go. It's all wrapped up. That was what I, that was all I knew. And so, and then people started sharing it and then I had my Instagram account and people started sharing that. And I had no idea how that whole thing with social media worked. And so it, it just sort of took off in that way. And so at a certain point, um, I guess the demand for the work was there. And so I, and I was doing it and I was excited to do it. And I, I had like a, a e-commerce shop. And so now I'm creating, you know, these pieces for, um, for people that are interested in my work. And so the sort of um, combination of both, uh, juggling being full-time as an art director in digital media and uh, creating ceramic wares on the side um, <laughs> was obviously a lot. And it sounds like a lot, even when I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, wow, that was a lot. Um, and so I, but I was doing it. I was really excited to do it. But when it got to a certain point where, you know, it was, it was too much to try and do all of the things at once and realizing like, oh yeah, I am a human being. And, you know, there's only so much one person can do by themselves. Um, I'm so glad you picked that instead of going, well, I just won't go to the studio and like, I won't go to the ceramic studio anymore. I'll just focus on my job. Like, I love that you picked that side, uh, you know, of the street instead of uh, being the, you know, you know, yeah, responsible, I'll keep my job thing. Yeah. And, you know, and also I, it would, it would be irresponsible, irresponsible of me to not also mention that, like, I still freelanced and like, I still yeah. had a sustaining income that was based in like, you know, my illustration design work. And so I was still working, doing all of that and doing motion design. I was still art directing, um, you know, freelance art directing. So I still had, I had sustained my life in a way where I was I could financially pivot if I wanted to. Yeah. And so I wouldn't, yeah. and I wouldn't recommend somebody just like all, you know, just randomly quit their full-time job and their means of income to just like go and, you know, uh, practice something that hadn't really been refined. If, if that wasn't bringing in also some form of income, you know, that's, 
something that is it does take a lot of thinking and and um, and um, trying to plan in some way or another how to make that all happen. Um, so it was definitely a leap, a jump, but it was a very much um, <clears throat> conscious leap and jump. Yeah, yeah, um, a nice little calculated jump. I'm I was the same way. I worked in advertising for years, and then I freelanced for years, and then even with Jealous Curator. I've had it for 12 years now and I've written a bunch of books and all this stuff. I just quit freelance design like three years ago because, you know, it just supplemented the income and, you know, you knew the nice thing about being a designer is, you know, you always have it there if you need it. Yes. You know, so I always really liked having it almost as a safety net, but I don't really think of it that way, but it is, it is kind of like that, you know, and um, I always tell people that too, like, don't take that, crazy jump off the cliff, make sure that there's something to catch you, you know, because yes. you don't put that pressure on your artwork either, you know, that it's got to pay all your bills because suddenly the joy can go out of it if it's got that much pressure on it too, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So were you also, okay, so you're illustrating, but your, but tactile matter was all about ceramics. Is that right? Yeah, at that time it was. Um, So I was making mostly functional wares and um, like bowls, mugs and all of that. And where did the, where did you come up with tactile matter? Where where did the name come from? Oh my God. I'm honestly, I'm trying to even think of it because I remember actually being in front of my computer at work (laughs) and and spitballing these different ideas to my coworker. And I was, my coworkers and just being like, what do you think of this? And I, and I really, I, the the jumping point for the name was I loved the idea of like uh, tactility and you know tactile being something that you're you know you're creating with your hands and matter also being a form of like something that is tactile and but it also doesn't necessarily need to be and the two words together honestly were just like you know how you do like your pros and cons list like I did my list of different names and like combinations of names and all of that those were the two names that that went together for me and I just love the way it sounded um the meaning behind him it really does kind of speak for itself where the thinking was from is the tactility of being able to create with your hands um but as far as the you know did the heavens part and like the name drop from the skies no it was you know a lot of sitting down writing thinking and and bouncing ideas off of other people and asking does this sound crazy yeah (laughs) um that was where the name came from I spend a lot of time on thesaurus.com during name generation (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's my go-to it's my go-to well it's just such a lovely name and so I, I just thought it was interesting that you kind of touched on that that you know, when you're forced to kind of go, okay, well, how do I tie all of this together? And yeah, you did a great job. I love that. I love the name and it's still, you've still got it in 2021. (laughs) Thank you. It's still working. Um, Okay. So I wouldn't have thought that. And I'll also just throw out just to caveat nowadays, you know, there's so many brands, there's so many names, like a part of the routine now I would imagine for anybody else that's like creating a brand name is like you have to like google the name to see if it exists so you have to like put it in Instagram to see if that handle already exists like you know so it's like there's like that added component to creating a brand now that's so kind of like icky because you would love to just be able to think of something and like now it exists but it's like no you actually have to now like see if it exists somewhere else and make sure that it's something original 
Yeah, I know. It's um, when I was working in branding and, uh, you know, helping people come up with names and stuff and, yeah. um, and getting their, getting them a URL and an Instagram handle. It's like, exactly. no, taken, 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 yes. Yes. you know, it's so frustrating because you want to just name it whatever you want to name it. Yeah, exactly. And I would well, imagine you know, I, like, I, I tell artists now to just call it your name because yes. it's so, it's so much easier just to find people now if their handle is just their name. Yep. And sometimes you even come full circle around where you will start with a brand name that you think is so cool at the time. And then years and years later, you end up just going back to your name. A yeah. Lot of, a lot of the time you end up just doing that because it's easier as well as like people start to call you, you know, by your name, which is a good thing. And, you know, it's working if like people are actually like referring, you know, referring to the brand name as your actual name and so yeah they actually know who that is I know that's a it's a nice moment when that happens um yeah okay so now there's so much stuff there there's painting and ceramics and illustration and murals <laughs> oh, so many cool murals um so and then we're going to get to the book right after that because that's yet another thing but is there a favorite in there do you just love doing all of it like yeah, you tell me. <laughs> I, ooh, I, yeah, it's pretty wild when you put it all into context like that. I've always enjoyed trying new things. And uh, it, I'm sure it's mostly out of my own inability to stay excited doing one thing for a long time. But um, I really, I really love doing all of those things. And I don't know if it's equal. I, I'm sure if I like sat down, like, you know, pen to paper, I'd be able to like actually do like a chart of like percentages of how much I like yeah. something over another. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I I really will say I love I love illustrating, I love painting, and I love ceramics, and those. <laughs> and I love and I love I love murals and I love, I love murals. Yeah, yeah. I, I love digital work. I I mean, yeah. I guess it would be really hard to choose. One yeah. lane, and that's partly also just like why I do have all of these different things that I really love doing is because it's really hard for me to choose one lane to be in, and I I really, you know, I I just remember like for a really long time I was conflicted internally about the idea of even having multiple things that excite me because um, I would find that so many artists just did one thing or or you know like one medium like they have one medium and one style and I was just like oh god I, I wish that I could have like one medium and one style that I just stick to but honestly it just I I fought with it so much and realized after a certain point like I just love doing a lot of different things like that really does excite me and I just it would be impossible for me to just like choose one one lane um that's such a good thing to bring up because um I felt the same way and you feel like when you see these people who have a really established, you know, sculpture practice, or really established photography or painting or whatever it is, and you're doing a zillion things, you feel like, oh, am I a giant flake? Like, why, why can't I pick the one thing? And so I think it's so important for people listening to this to realize that doing lots of things is totally just as valid as being really good at one thing. I think what plays into that is sort of what you were talking about earlier is finding that voice because that's what's so strong about you. And when you go and look at your Instagram, like when you look at tactile matter, there's everything, all of the things I just listed are there, but they might not all be the same medium, but the visual story is the same. 
Right. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what makes it come together. Like it's not scattered because the visual language is there. And sometimes people will send me their portfolios for advice, which I don't love doing. Cause I think people, you know, you have a better insight into your brain than I do, but right. sometimes when someone's portfolio is all over the place, I'll say, you know, I'll give them the advice of sort of taking the time to, as you said, put the pen to paper and figure out what is that visual story you want to tell and then tell it in a whole bunch of different mediums, you know, instead of telling a whole bunch of stories in a whole bunch of mediums. I think that's where it gets a little flaky and people that want to buy from you or follow you aren't sure what they're following. Mm, And so when you have that story, then you're free and you've got your palette or you've got, you know, your purpose, then you're free to paint it on a wall, make, you know, make an object, you know, illustrate it, make a book, do whatever you want, because you've got this, this consistent story going. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. And, um, and I think that by nature at a certain point, a lot of the different mediums of, of, anyone's work, at least my work specifically, reflect one another, whether it's like the messaging, the color palette, the line work, textures, or even a combination of all of it, there's definitely a lot of crossover and um, they reflect one another. Um, and sometimes after a while too, you know, you just, the the messaging can sort of speak for itself uh, just by way of how you're creating and what inspires you. Um, Mm -hmm. and so for me, a lot of what I was creating had a lot of the same, not only visual narrative, but same messaging. Like, you know, I, I really did, I, a lot of my work is, is, um, I guess to some people really similar in a lot of ways, but every piece really does have its own meaning and inspiration and, and specific messaging. And, you know, for like, I think any artist, you know, every piece that you create really is there's something impactful that that resonates with you as the artist. And, and for me, I definitely have that, even though there's a lot of the visual narratives are are similar. um, The messaging and context uh, definitely has, um, it ranges throughout Mm -hmm. each piece. Mm -hmm. And I love um, part of your statement that says um, that your work speaks to empowerment, the Black female experience with a balance of purposeful color and forms. I just think that's so beautifully said. And so were you always very, you know, when you were sort of starting um, your own work outside outside of your day job, were you really thinking about that, about empowerment and um, Black female experience? Did that play in right from the very beginning? I would say, yeah. I mean, in all reality, it played in from my my early childhood, you know, just of having course, yeah. having uh, empowering women around me. My mother as an um, inspiration, she's definitely always been a muse of mine, and I think she will always be. Uh, my forever muse um, in a lot of my work and and the lineage of my my um, my family and um, my aunts my grandmothers um, so I and I know that not a lot of people are, are are fortunate to have those type of relationships and experiences with female figures in their lives and for me it's very very um, uh, impactful and um, and I'm very uh, humbled by having that experience with these these figures in my life and um and so a lot of that does uh, stem from my experience with um with these 
really impactful women in my life. And it, it definitely does translate to that sort of narrative visually of, of empowerment and black female experience. And, um, and so that definitely is something that's just kind of always tracked me and mm -hmm. in my own trajectory and, and my, in my work. And it just sort of, I think by nature of my own inspiration has translated into a lot of my work. And, um, and I, I do love to balance all of it with a pop of color. And, <laughs> you know, those are all things that I just come honestly, just natural after years and years of, of practice and really not loving my work and still having this really awkward relationship with my work at times because there's many times where the things that I love like when I see work out in the world the things that I love and what I want in my home doesn't necessarily reflect the work that I actually create um so it's yeah. definitely <laughs> so it's definitely an interesting thing that I've also had to like uh realize and like no I really this is what I actually really love creating, whether or not like you can't really sometimes explain like how or why that is, but like, there's just, you know, sometimes you, you love creating a certain type of style or using a certain palette, but maybe that doesn't necessarily reflect what you just love to bring in your own space. <laughs> so funny and weird. Yeah. Have you ever tried, like, I do this every now and then because I see so much work because of writing about so many people you know, every now and then I'll try pulling in something like that. That's totally not my style. And, uh, it just, it's like, it, it just feels odd. Like it's not, even though it's yeah. like a palette that I might love from somebody else, I do it in my little world and I'm like, Nope. That's yeah. not working. Oh, I completely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yours is so established now, which is really nice. And I, I think what you just said about practice is so good because you know, I don't want people to think like, oh, you decide that you're going to have your own visual style and, you know, you figure it out over a weekend. Like, it just doesn't happen like that. You know, it's trial and error. It's making things that you hate. And then, you know, but I, but I think what's important is when you make the things that you don't like, actually taking, instead of being frustrated with yourself or whatever, taking the time to look at it and figure out what it is you don't like or which little corner of it you do like and moving forward from there um because like with me I quit after art school for 15 years I didn't make anything because I just had so much self-doubt I just didn't think I could do it and so I didn't and that was such a huge waste of time you know I wish I had taken the things that I didn't like and actually dissected them and figured out why and kind of you know pushed through that so I'm doing that now in my you know 30s and 40s um, and I just did nothing in my 20s and early 30s. And sometimes it's like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, sometimes it's really, it, it just is like that. That's just the way that the journey goes. And yeah. you can fall in and out of love with what you're creating. And, you know, the biggest thing is just like really, um, for me, just trying not to put too much pressure on what it is that I am creating. And if that makes any sense, like where yeah. it's just, you know, sometimes you, you feel pressure uh, pressure to perform or pressure to create based off of either perception or what you see out in the world or what other people are doing or whatever that is. And sometimes it's just like taking the time to, you know, take a step back and just look at your own work with fresh eyes. And, you know, I think that it is truly possible only because I know from my own experience, it's possible to fall out of love with your work and fall back in love with it. So really just taking the necessary time to, you know, 
self-care, take a pause, whatever that looks like, and then come back to it. You never know, you might actually fall in love with it. And, Mm -hmm. and, and styles change. I, I don't think you need to, I don't really like the idea that one needs to stick with one style forever and that's just yeah. what it what it is until no the creative people aren't aren't capable of that I don't think yeah no <laughs> you know? I'm definitely not I yeah well and yeah. I think that's what's nice yeah. about working in different mediums too is that when you need that break from x you mm-hmm. can zip over to y for a while you know exactly. and that's really I need that I because otherwise I just yeah it, you can get into a block without even meaning to just because you're doing the same thing. And I, I need to, I'm one of those shake it up kind of people. Same. <laughs> I a hundred percent feel you on that. And that's, that's definitely the way I, I like to navigate even with like ceramics. It's like, I, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, creating functional wares and that was really excited, exciting for me. And I, I just love it so much, but after a certain time, it's like, I don't really want to sit and create the same object multiple times and you know that's just at a certain point if it becomes not as exciting and you have the means to be able to pivot um then you know maybe that's the right thing to do yeah totally um before we talk about your book can I ask you about murals I I for the first time did murals in 20 the summer of 2018 and uh because a friend of mine had curated the, the Vancouver mural festival and she said oh do you want to do it and I I'd never done it before. It sounded so exciting. And so I said, yes, in like May. And then August rolled around and they're like, here's your ladder. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I was really really scared. The first, so they gave me five small walls around Vancouver because I did not want to lift and I didn't want a giant, giant mural for my first one. So I did five little ones. And um, the first morning of the first mural, I spent for sure at least two hours just screwing around, like not putting any paint on the wall. I was like, oh, I better go get a coffee. And oh, why don't I open all of the paint, take a look, close it all back up. Okay, that's great. I was so scared to do that first <laughs> brush on the wall. What What was your first mural and what was the experience like? Oh my goodness. Um, actually recent. I My first mural, I, I well, I guess I've I did a mural, I designed a mural, I've designed murals, but the first experience of actually um, standing in front of the wall and <laughs> staring at it um, and painting with the help of my my partner and his brother, who's an actually extremely talented muralist. And, and so that is partly also uh, the ability to actually create the murals is having like a team of people. I'm definitely never going to be the person that's like, yeah, I did it all by myself. No, I had, I had help and I'm very thankful for, for that. Um, but Nathaniel Tietro, he's an amazing muralist and, and artist. And so, um, he's my, my brother-in-law and, and with my partner, uh, the three of us, um, did the, uh, LADF mural actually. And that was my first one that was like, um, just at that scale and um, and got a lot of visibility that I think actually <clears throat> was a, a healthy amount of visibility that that led to other projects and what what year was that that you guys did that that was only that was about 20 I believe it was 2017 or 2018 I think okay. no I think it, I might be like I said I'm terrible with yeah. this. <laughs> it might have been actually 2019 so it wasn't I know it wasn't that long ago but I believe it was about two years ago um, what did you think like um did you like once that paint was hitting the wall did you love it i did i really did it just is so it's 
there's something refreshing about that. It was, it honestly was scary and daunting because I've never personally, I've never worked with like such a large format of like be in, and it's like, it's on a wall. It's like, it's so, it's scary the first time. So it was just like uh, breaking the ice with it. Um, yeah. And, and it's having- so physical too. Like I was, I'd go home at night and I was like, my whole body hurt. Yeah. Oh my God. It's very, it's definitely one of those things that's um, both fulfilling, but also it is a lot of physical work and it's rewarding work, but it's definitely a lot of, it's a lot of work. So shout out to all the muralists out there because that's not easy at all. So how many have you done since then? Uh, Well, we did one actually um, the year after, um, which we, we, we technically called it a mural, but it was more like an art piece. Like a, uh, we did a 20 foot installation of um, a, we call it like pretty much like an extruded mural because I was commissioned to create a mural and we ended up going back to the client and pitching an idea of um, creating a, a five panel um, installation. Um, cool. uh, painted installation um, using the same paint materials that we would have used on in the um, on a mural wall but um, that was really exciting and it was just like a, a standalone piece and I love that it's something that's really modular and being able to think a little bit out of the box on on what a mural can look like um, was was something so really exciting cool. so cool see I'm asking all of this so that when I do the great big post on my site to go with this episode, I can put all these images in. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then and then there's a third one that I did back in like God, I think it was 2013 um, uh, at a studio, which I was I designed the mural, and I I regret that I have pretty much zero photos of it. Oh. I have I have like one photo that's on my website, but I realized even looking back, it's like God, did I have a hard drive that crashed or something? Because I have no. <laughs> photos of this wall anywhere I just have the flat design work but anyways yeah that one is definitely was just such a fun one that was um visually really exciting but um yeah I have not too much of it actually live in in person well that's the moral of the story then everyone listening document everything document yeah everything (laughs) because you never know (laughs) um okay well let's talk about okay so there are a lot of weird this is this is where the overlaps happen although there was a bunch of overlaps in that story anyway but um so your new book it's called many shapes of clay a story of healing and it was published by prestel and they published my kids book in september and um you work with uh kate woodrow as your agent she's my agent um and it was your first um kids book right right yeah, me too. That's so crazy. The overlap is real. It really is. And so how, why did you decide that it was time to do a kid's book? And, you know, what, what is Many Shapes of Clay about? Well, I, I've wanted to write and illustrate a children's book for a really long time. Um, and this is one that's been a meaningful process to create. It, it's definitely not an easy process, um, especially talking through grief in a way and being able to visually uh, express that in a way that um, is, is in a lot of ways speaking about my own personal story with grief after I lost my dad suddenly uh, in 2018. And I know that we have a lot of overlap there as well. So yeah. 
um, it, it's definitely one of those things that's definitely been like a, a journey and one that's been really transformative for me because in a lot of ways, this is also a way of translating some of those emotions visually that I was going through at that time. And, you know, let's be real, still going through right now. But um, I originally actually had a different story in mind. Um, but after before, everything- before your dad passed? Yeah, I, yeah. before before that happened and um it was just it was still a children's book but a lot of the um messaging it was a lot more lighthearted and and you know and even this book is in a lot of ways a balance between the joy and the um and the grief um but when my editor reached out um Holly Ledoux she reached out to me and she was my editor on my book it's so crazy that is (laughs) That is so crazy. Okay, that part, I don't know if I actually knew that. Yeah. <laughs> this is why when I was talking to Kate about it, I was like, okay, wait, what? And then she's That's like, oh, so and, you know, and her dad passed in 2018. I was like, what? Like, it was just, I was like, okay, we, I have to meet her. We have to become best friends. Um, okay, so yeah, Holly is amazing. Yeah, so Holly was the editor. Yes, she's incredible. And she reached out to me. And um, at a time when I didn't even realize I really needed it that you know at that time and um I had been writing it and you know and honestly I've just been writing it with no real plan in mind of when I was going to stop writing you know it's like unless you really have a deadline or at least for me if I if I don't have a deadline I will just keep going so that's pretty much what was happening and when she reached out to me um uh, she was asking if I'd be interested in a in an art book and uh that was something that was really exciting for me and I pretty much express I would love to do a children's book and I I believe that they did not do that at the time and so she was like let's we'll make it work and we just we made it work and I you know the rest is pretty much history um but you know the storyline and the messaging really transformed the more I I just started really you know getting the, the the fire lit under me and and sitting down and writing through some of the nuances and details, you know, sometimes it just stories transform by the time, um, you know, we really started to kick things off and move forward. The the story really was a personal journey about a young girl um, and her mother and their journey together as they're navigating in their own way, their own personally, personal bouts with, with grief and what that looks like. And, and so uh, yeah, the story is about uh, a young girl named Isha, and she uh, creates a, a shape out of clay with her mother, and she paints it a yellow color, and that yellow color reminds her of a day that she was um, out with her, her dad and together picking lemons. And so the the story goes on this journey of of her essentially breaking her shape and and putting the pieces back together. So there's a bit of metaphor there of of how to pick up the broken pieces and move forward, but it's also a story of community and and um self, you know, um uh I want to say self-preservation. And I guess yeah. in some ways it is self-preservation, but it's also um being able to identify your feelings and know that it's okay to feel those heavy feelings and it's okay to to move forward through all of it and being able to move forward with it either with yourself finding solutions or with somebody else like in this case with her and her mother um is something really there's something really beautiful about that so i took a lot of inspiration from my own personal journey 
It must have been so emotional to be working on that. It really was. And I, I honestly didn't really anticipate how emotional it would be. You know, there's certain moments that um, you're, you're visually creating not only the, the story, but also it, it is triggering to sit down and, you know, yeah. uh, depict moments that, you know, um, are shared with, with my dad and you know, my dad was my hero and, um, and we were very close. And so, uh, being able to illustrate that it was, I will say it, it was definitely a form of therapy that I needed. And, and in a lot of ways, this whole book is, is a bit of self-therapy. And um, I don't think I really called it that at the time or even thought it was that at the time, but it just kind of turned into that by nature of being able to translate my own thoughts and emotions into visuals and into words as well. So um how special yeah. and amazing to to have that now and to have it as this object that's out in the world like um yeah it's so powerful can i ask like this is getting super personal about our dads and stuff but um my dad died suddenly and unexpectedly too um which i mean i'm so sorry to, I, you know it definitely is uh, such a heavy heavy topic and so I just have to also just say I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss as well well you too and I mean I know that you know you know and um so one of the things that I didn't anticipate was how angry I was after he died like um at everything I was I was mad at him for leaving me too soon I was um, mad at everyone who still had a dad <laughs> I was mad at people for going to get a latte on the day that I found out that he died, I was like, how can you just go on with life when I don't have a dad? Like I was just so angry. And mm. um, I said to my husband, like, I just want to smash stuff. Like I just needed an outlet, like a physical outlet. Like I, a friend of mine was like, I I'll sign you up for ax throwing if you want. <laughs> like, I just had this need to break stuff. And I just think it's so interesting that in your book, this object that she made broke. Like when yeah. I, when I read that about like the, the little preamble of the book, I was like, I got chills because I know that's not why her object broke, but I just thought right. oh, that's so funny because my instinct was to break anything I could break. Right. Did you feel angry or what, how did you feel, you know, when you found out? That's such a perfect way of putting that too. And just that, you know, there is that, um, it's one of those things that is so transformative, honestly, being able to go through this messy experience of what I call is just really messy, the idea of, of grief and that, you know, there's no right or wrong way to navigate it because it is so packed with highs and lows and, you know, ups and downs in every aspect of what a roller coaster is like. And, you know, the emotions are all over the place and you don't know when it'll hit you. You don't know how you'll feel when it does hit you and um and what that looks like and for me it was you know a lot of the same feelings and you know just a mix of emotions but also i think it i was you know it was it was just sad it was just sadness and like you know that's something that is hard to lift yourself out of when you when you feel it and you know there's especially with you know everything that's going on right now with this pandemic and 
you know, a lot of loss has happened. And, you know, of course, I didn't anticipate when writing this book that we would be going through this sort of wave of, of grief and loss and a lot of people navigating what that looks like. And, uh, and for me, it definitely was not easy, is not easy. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of days that feel really down. And there was a mix of days that felt really high and, you know, inspired because of the support, which I feel really just so thankful that I had that, you know, I had Mm -hmm. my mother here who's just, you know, I see her and I, I, you know, I want to be a support for her, but she wants to be a support for me. We both just want to support each other in this whole crazy weird journey. That's grief Um, and friends. And, you know, my closest friends, my best friend that I grew up with, um, she is, and we're still best friends and just extremely close. She's like a sister to me. And she was, you know, with me, you know, immediately after it happened, my partner was with me immediately. I don't know what I would have done, honestly, without having support of people around me and having my friends and my family. And um, that really got me through it. And yes, I, I definitely had creative outlets and creative commitments too. And that was like a whole nother thing that was like, I don't know how I navigated through that, to be perfectly honest, but I did, you know, I, yeah. my, a dear friend of mine, I remember describing to me, and I really needed to hear this at the time. She's like, you know, when you're going through something like this, it feels like you're going to just like burst into flames and like, you're like physically just going to burst into flames and, and just like turn into ashes. And she was like, but you didn't, you like, you're here, you exist right now and and you're good. You're, you're alive. You're, you know, you're, you're moving forward and it's happening. And I, oh God, I needed to hear that so badly because it was just one of those, you know, times where it's just like, yeah, I, I really did feel like I was just going to burst into flames because I don't know any other way to like, feel. Um, mm-hmm. And so I definitely leaned in, into my community, but also my my creativity. And this book was obviously a big part of that growth experience that, you know, brought up a lot of emotions, but was just very, very therapeutic. I also had, you know, one of the most exciting commissions going on at the same time, which was um, working with Solange's brand, St. Heron. And that was happening, you know, only a few months after. Um, and I didn't realize how much I needed that as well. Um, mm. Just the the distraction and being able to continue creating. Um, uh, you know, there's there's just, it's also just like a reality check that like life still moves forward and you have to find your way of moving forward because yeah. everyone else around you is, you know, there's friends of mine or people that you, you know on the, even just on the internet that you see from afar going through things and you never know what people are actually going through. Um, and the reality is, is that life really does just move forward and you have to make the choice to, to move forward with it or stay static. And I'm really thankful that I had a supportive um, group around me that encouraged me to, to move forward and not stay static. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. I know all of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it is so funny how, you know, it's been uh, my dad, past um, the very end of November in 2018. So, you know, it's like two and a half years and some days it feels like it was yesterday and I'll be in the grocery store and a song will come on that reminds me of him and I'll just lose it. Mm. And, um, and other days I feel happy and fine. And I feel like he's right there with me and I talk to him in the studio and laugh and joke around and it's fine. And, um, yeah, yeah it's such a strange thing. And I, I love that, you know, you 
for you that you did this book, but also as a way to explain it. Like, that's why I wanted to do my book for kids, right? I wanted to talk about inner critics and um, getting mm -hmm. stopped by art bullies and stuff because mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to them when they were little, like to put that in their, that seed in their head when they were little, right? And so I love the idea of talking to kids about grief now so that, you know, when they all are ultimately faced with losing someone or something they love, you know, they'll think back to that book and remember. Yeah, you know? I I appreciate that. And it's so true. I mean, it is one of those journeys that, you know, it's it's a good thing, I feel like, to start normalizing that the idea of just even talking about it in different ways. You know, everybody has their own way of communicating what that looks like. And one of the things that I really wanted to at least um, detail out in my book was just that, you know, adults grieve too. And, you know, her being like a curious, a curious kid wondering, you know, will this adult be sad if, you know, they get back home and their sprig of lavender isn't there. Um, just those little details are, are just like, I, I want to communicate this idea that, you know, adults do feel feelings too. And, you know, her mother is uh, an artist, but she's also navigating through her own grief with her, her child and what that looks like. And so, um, you know, and her mother, you know, is using her own creative outlet to, to channel and to, to move forward in her own grieving journey. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some nods to what that, what that looks like, but more, more importantly, just being able to uh, start the conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of mothers, what does your mother think of this book? She must be so proud of you. <laughs> oh my God. She is, <laughs> I mean, she really is, um, my biggest supporter and I am extremely, extremely thankful for that because I know not everybody has that experience with their mothers and or parents. Um, and for me having her, you know, just being somebody that's rooting for me is is just really special and really inspiring that she is <clears throat> always um, in the know on what's going on with everything more than <laughs> I am. I I very, very adamantly choose to like turn off my screen or go into hiding or just duck under a blanket if if something big is happening that is either on the internet or whatever that looks like. I, I, I'm just like, I shy away. And my mom's like, did you know, like all these comments? Oh my goodness. It's so exciting. And I'm like, I don't want to hear any of the comments. And she's like reading them to me out loud. And they're all just like, she's reading just such positive things uh, that people are saying about the book. She's like, did you know they're going to have a, a reading in, uh, in the south on this date and i was like no i didn't know that that's amazing and so she's she's honestly keeping me more oh my god you can hire her to be your publicist i might as well honestly <laughs> she's got it down pat so she's definitely she's <laughs> she's on board with it she's really excited that's so awesome and so um i know so it's just come out you've got you always have a zillion things going on but is there anything that you want to tell anybody about well, first of all, where they can get the book, probably everywhere, I'm assuming. Uh, yes, I hope so. Um, <laughs> you should be able to. And it's all, also uh, been released in German as well. So there's a German edition if anybody, um, any listeners 
speak German or know anybody that does. There's a, a German edition. Um, but yes, you can you can check it out at um, anywhere that, that books are sold and uh, shop local. I always try and advise people to shop local, buy black if you can, if there's a local bookstore, um, and just support uh, the local bookstores as much as possible. That's amazing. And do you have any other things going on that you can talk about or you want to promote or share? Oh, oh man. Honestly, I... The list too long. Well, no, it's more that I, I, I do. I have two really exciting projects that are releasing... Um, but they're really heavy NDA projects, so I can't oh. even talk about it. <laughs> well, I'll keep an eye on Instagram, and then you let me know when it's out in the world, and I'll and I'll share it out and tell people what what your secrets were. <laughs> that sounded real, yeah. That sounded really secretive, like very, like oh yes, it's coming out. Stay tuned. It's like oh god, that was, uh, yeah. I'll I'll definitely have to either I'll send you whenever it does release, and okay, do you know when it'll be like. <laughs> anytime between now and like 2022 probably <laughs> um <laughs> yeah isn't that the way well you know what thank you so much and I yeah when I started to hear through email from Kate and stuff all of our similarities I was like you know and I already follow you and love your work so much that I was like oh I need to meet her and oh. next time I'm in LA hopefully oh god who knows when that will be but hopefully soon um let's for sure go to a go to coffee somewhere and talk about all of this even more. Absolutely. The second that things open back up and are feeling like, you know, not as, not as crazy, I'm, I'm right there. Deal. That sounds amazing. Well, congratulations on the book. Good luck with everything. And um, yeah, I'll be watching online to see what's coming next. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was, this was really a pleasure. It I appreciate was. It. it was really fun. Okay. Well, I will talk to you soon. Talk soon. Okay, bye. <sighs> I loved every minute of that conversation, and I hope that you did too. All of Kanisha's gorgeous work, from ceramics and murals to her lovely new book, is in a great big post over on my site, thegelscurator.com. Thank you so much to Kanisha for sharing her story and for writing this beautiful book. She's right. Life does go on. And stories like Many Shapes of Clay helps us to realize that grief does not have to break you. You can pick up the pieces and continue living. I know that's what my dad would want for me, and I am sure that's what Kanisha's dad wants for his little girl, too. Thank you to my friends at Coloop Podcast Network for having me in their roster of creative podcasts. And word on the loop is that I've got my first couple of sponsors, so stay tuned for that. And as always... Huge, huge thanks to you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then. Mm-hmm.